0: Very early in his rule for monks, St. Benedict quotes the Psalms, and uh, the quotation is this Who is he who longs for life? And whenever I hear this, as the brothers know, my first question is Who doesn't? But what are we longing for when we say we long for life? Obviously, it's more than uh, just our bodies functioning biologically and not dying. What we mean by this is something like flourishing, enjoying our experiences, finding activities meaningful. The psalmists knew this, and the psalms frequently speak poetically of suffering, alienation, and sickness as death. And I've taught the psalms many times. Often it's the case that modern persons like ourselves read into this uh, Poeticism, a kind of over-the-top expression that we associate maybe with uh, some Mediterranean cultures or primitive religions or something like that. And so it's easy to dismiss these as exaggerations. But this is too bad because God's Word is teaching us something here, that life really is meant to be rich, full of beauty and meaning. It should be that way. God created all things, And in God's eyes, He created them good, and they should be that way for us as well. So when we are confronted by perplexity as a result of suffering or anxiety, or, as is often the case in our world today, boredom, we are no longer full of life. Uh, Our bodies are functioning, we're still carrying on, but life isn't as meaningful as it could be. And in these sorts of situations... Even familiar objects can lose their ability to console us, and activities that had been part of the richness of life can become bitter. Meaninglessness follows on this kind of disorientation that we encounter in life. Now seeing us endangered by this loss of life and a loss of confidence in life, God who is the giver of life, saw that a particular kind of rescue would be appropriate and necessary. And when we say that the word of life, through whom all things came to be, became flesh and made his dwelling among us, we are saying something that really ought to amaze us, I think, more than it does. We are saying that our intuitions about the meaningfulness of life are real, A flourishing of life is not far to find, but we need to understand the key to reading the world. Because of the incarnation of God's word, all of life, every bit of it, has become revelatory of God. The whole rich panoply of living, I'll just name some things if you don't mind, birth, growth, learning, loving, working, making friends, losing friends, grieving, homes, neighborhoods, cities, empires, banqueting, building, tiring, sleeping, music, gardens, rivers, stars, rain, snow, suffering, and ultimately dying. All of this is full of meaning. All of it can reveal God to us if we have the eyes of faith. And this faith is possible, because Christ is our model for this faith, for living a human life so as to unite it with God, whose purposes are those that will really bring us the fulfillment that we're looking for. A music teacher once said to me that if God gives you a violin, a Stradivarius, I think he said, actually, you could use it to flip pancakes in some way if you wanted to, Uh, But it wouldn't do a very good job flipping pancakes, and you'd ruin the violin besides. And his point is that things work better when we use them for the purpose for which they were created, when we use the right tool for the right job. We make tools for specific jobs. God has made the things of the world, including us, uh, with the same purpose for a particular job, He made us, and for a specific purpose, and when we act contrarily or obliquely to our rightful purposes, perhaps not surprisingly, life becomes puzzling. It becomes an unhappy and frustrating affair, like trying to flip pancakes with a violin. Jesus Christ in the flesh displays for us what a human life fully lived actually looks like, and it is in our uniting our own lives to his allowing Christ to dwell in us, that our humblest actions become meaningful. We become energized to become genuine saints, to become holy. We will discover an ability to see God's glory in all the circumstances of life. The world is charged with the grandeur of God. It will flame out like shining from shook foil. This was the discovery of that the great Jesuit poet Gerard Manley Hopkins made, that God's glory and grandeur can suddenly flame forth unexpectedly if we learn to be attentive, if we're watching for it. The whole Christmas season is about this changing of the way we see things, this attentiveness, this seeing into God's purposes, full of references to sight, especially seeing into heaven, So tomorrow, for example, St. Stephen will look into heaven as he's being stoned to death. And then on the following day, St. John will look into heaven as he writes the book of Revelation. In today's preface to the Eucharistic prayer, we'll note that when God's Son became visible, he did so to allow us to be caught up in love of the invisible God, to see God not with our physical eyes, but with our understanding, with the eyes of faith. So St. Stephen's and St. John's experiences are part of this same reality. They are not looking at a place when they look into heaven. It's, It's not somewhere we can point to exactly. Rather, they're looking at the same things that you and I see right now. But they see Christ in them. They see the kingdom coming in our lives as they are right now. They're caught up in this love of God. They enter in and see God's face, as it were. They enter into his temple. These are poetic ways in which we can talk about this new sense of sight that the Incarnation brings to our humanity. We might put it less poetically and say they experienced insight into God's meaning for their lives and for the world. And not only did they see this, but they gave their assent. They said, yes, I see that it's good. I see that your purposes should be mine. And so may we learn from the mystery of the Incarnation to see, to see God's grandeur approaching in so many hidden ways. And taught by God's word, may we learn to unite our minds and hearts more firmly to Christ, to say yes to his plan. This is especially important where we find still in our hearts cynicism or boredom or anger or frustration. These are signs that Christ is not yet visible in the circumstances that bring these about. And to this, the psalmist says, Open the gates of your heart, let the King of glory enter, Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and praise forever and ever. Amen.